is what I have instead of coffee. Welcome to Box Press Radio. I'm Dan. And I'm Zach. And it's been a slow week. It's going to be a quick show. Um, yeah. We don't have a million things to talk about. That doesn't mean we don't have anything to talk about. <laughs> it's true. Uh, actually, a lot happened this week. We just, I don't think either of us had a ton of time to play video games. Yeah, no, it's been pretty busy. And just like the other, what was it, two weeks ago, I was out of town. I'm going to have to go and do that again. So there's been a lot of preparation for that. All right, and we're back. Um, yeah, so you uh, you said you had spent some time modding, was it both Skyrim and Morrowind, or just one? Yeah, no, so it started as Morrowind earlier in the week, because uh, as you know, I've spent years trying to get like just the right level of mods that don't break each other or cause the thing to just crash. And finally, the you know, after, what is it, almost 20 years now, of this game being out, people have finally really kind of updated it to not look so old, to look like newer games without it crashing constantly. And a lot of the stuff that's out there has just been fantastic. A lot of it's just like playing Skyrim, but with that old Morrowind feel, which I really like. Yeah, uh, I, know, I, uh, I know I've seen a lot of mods recently that are like full expansions for the game. Like people seem to just now be releasing like six year projects and shit. Yeah, well, on top of stuff like Marwin Rebirth and Tamriel Rebuilt and stuff like that that just, you know, redoes the cities to make them look and feel like cities and redoes the landscape to make them not look so cookie-cutter, you've also got the people that are doing, like, I think they're adding the rest of, you know, actually Morrowind itself, as well as every other region from Tamriel into the game. And I think one of them even adds a section of a continent that the games haven't even gone to yet. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, you know, it's ridiculous how you can still play that game, update it, put, like, shaders and graphics and good water and all the stuff that you want to see in games now, and then just for free download 500 hours of new content. Hmm. Uh, But that made me kind of look at Skyrim. And I didn't really want to mod that one so much. You know, I do enough of it with Morrowind. I don't want to do it with both games. But I did start getting interested in the Creation Club. And and there's a sizable amount of stuff for that. And I think all the stuff from 2018 is on sale right now. So I just went in and started buying bundles and getting a bunch of stuff. I have to pull up the list here of what all I got. But it's added, like, survival mode in. You know, like, buying and making camping supplies. Uh, 
like going up to the northern part like where Winterhold is is now really difficult you have to plan ahead it turns off like fast travel and stuff like that too mm-hmm. which has made the game a lot more fun and then there's one that gives you like you know hunger and fatigue so there's actually a reason to go to an inn and buy a bed there's a reason to cook food and eat it which i always felt like a lot of that stuff was was just garbage to toss or sell yeah i i always kind of i don't know i'm torn on that subject because i in theory i like the idea of it and i guess when i like it it's so like i only want it to benefit me i never want it to be something that holds me back i don't want to have to stop playing to be like oh man i'm in the middle of this dungeon let me whip out my camping set and cook some stew or i'm gonna not be able to finish this or it's gonna be really difficult like i fucking hate that well (coughs) the way they did it is pretty ingenious because the way skyrim was already set up uh when you're in dungeons and towns there are plenty of beds that you just like there's dungeons you go through where there's like 20 different beds for all the npcs and you just walk past them you never notice them you never use them and now it goes back to the Marwin style of leveling up, where once you get a level, you have to rest to get the level. So all that stuff that you would pass by, all of those cooking pots that you otherwise would have ignored, or all of the free food in loot that you would have just, you know, skipped over, all of it has a use now. Uh, and it makes playing the game feel... It's more immersive. It definitely feels better. I was worried that it was going to be more of an annoyance. And it really isn't. It does make the game more fun, especially replaying it. Because when you've done these quests a million times and you have fast travel and you know what you can skip and you know exactly how to play the game, it gets repetitive and boring. Mm -hmm. But this kind of makes me feel like it's going back into the Morrowind space where like, yeah, you know the quest and you know the area, but because you're walking from place to place instead of fast traveling, you're seeing stuff you didn't see. Now I'm using things I didn't use before. You've got random encounters, you know, different situations like, oh shit, I'm starving. I need to find some food or hunt. Um, It feels real good. It's it's not bad at all. Uh, They've also got stuff like the Adventurer's Backpack. You Mm -hmm. can buy or make backpacks. Uh, So right from the beginning of the game, you can get like an extra 75 pound carrying, you know, capacity. Uh, and then some of them give you bonuses like more damage with bows, more magic. Um, so it's it's a nice little starter thing that I'm probably going to use throughout the whole game. Nice. Uh, let's see, they added a bunch of pets, a undead wolf that can follow you around. Uh, they've been adding in the Divine Crusader armor from Knights of the Nine and Oblivion. Oh, that's different. Yeah. Uh, they've added in special armor for some of the Civil War actors to make them look like they're high up rank people. Um, the Chrysomir, Keening and Sunder, and a few other like old Daedric artifacts that were left out of Skyrim are being put back in. Uh, there's some big quest lines, some new houses. There's like a Christmas pack. I haven't encountered what that does yet. Oh, and they re-added wild horses from Oblivion, so now you can tame horses and then register them at a stable and keep them. That's a pretty big change to that game. 
Yeah, well, all this stuff, I, you know, I shit on the Creation Club a lot, and I'm still weary of it, but there's a lot of good stuff on it. So far, I'm having a lot of fun. Cool. That's good. Um, so, so what did you get, you get into? Because I know you did PLA, <clears throat> but I don't Yeah, I mean, I, I checked out the new uh, Destiny expansion with Andrew a couple of nights last week. Um, it's, uh... Gosh, I don't even remember what they called this fucking expansion. It's like... Uh, hold on. You know what? I'm going to pull this up in Firefox so people watching the stream can actually see it. Currently, they're looking at the PoE skill tree. Oh, well, that's... That thing gives me a headache just looking at it. <laughs> it is obnoxious. I know it well enough now, though, that it's not really an issue. But when you first look at it, you're like, what the hell is going on? Looks like a madman scrawling's on a prison wall. It is exciting when you level up in that game, though, because you're just like, look at all the things I could do. Yep. Um, Destiny game. <clears throat> Season of the Drifter is what it's called. Um... So, the biggest changes are around the uh, Gambit game mode. Um, I played one game of the Gambit Prime, which is a one round instead of best of three. So, like, first to two wins. Um, So, this is the team that wins just wins. There's no second round. Um, And it is way more difficult than regular Gambit. So there are power bonuses. Um, And also all of the enemies are like powerful enemies. They're not just like standard trash mobs. Like even the trash mobs are strong. Um, So yeah, it's it's a lot more difficult. There are a lot more skills. And then there are armor sets with perks on them. So if you spend your time being the sentry, you're going to be the guy that's standing around the moat collection thing i forget what it's even called and you're killing off the blockers that the enemy sends over it's kind of like if you ever played tetris multiplayer if you send if you get a big clear and get several lines it'll send over blockers on the other side that they have to deal with before they can make that go away and have more room to work with so the sentry kind of clears out the bullshit the enemy team sends over there's the collector which collects moats that puts them in the Gosh, what is that thing called? I, I don't even know what it's I don't called. Uh, let's see. There's a picture of it. It doesn't say what it's called. Anyway, the moat collection center thing. Uh, that's the guy that basically just runs around and dumps that shit in there, which seems like kind of a dumb class. Like, it makes sense, but when you think about like what that player's doing, their whole job is just don't die and get back to the thing, which to me doesn't sound exciting like the whole not dying thing is the biggest part of that so i don't know if you're if the rest of your team is doing well it seems like you would have very little to do other than run in circles uh then you have the invader whose job is literally to go over to the enemy team side which is the only way to pvp in this game mode and try to get kills to slow them down he can also stand by their moat collection thing and siphon off their moats and give them to your team instead, which is kind of cool. So he's, you know, that's a pretty important role. 
And then there's the Reaper, whose whole job is just to kill all the PvE enemies so that the Collector can pick those up and dump them in the Moat Collection thing. Once you summon the Primeval, everybody's job is to kill it first. If you kill it first, you win. If the enemy team kills it first, they win. So, it's it's an interesting game mode. And it, it is fun, but it's always very, very lopsided. I would say 1 out of 10 games are actually close. Like, to the point where, you know, like, your team is right at the end of winning and the enemy team comes over and gets, you know, like, a full team kill on your team and it heals your primeval all the way back up to full health, for example. That happens, like, one out of ten times, maybe. And that's because, generally speaking, it's hard to get a team wipe. And also, people know when the primeval comes up to just burn it down. So if there's an invader that's not over yet... They'll wait for him to come over and invade, and then as soon as he's gone, they'll burn down the boss before they have time to get back to stop you. So it's very one-sided most of the time. Once a team gets a lead, they they tend to keep it. Fair enough. So yeah, uh, but I did play I did play quite a bit of the PVE stuff. That's a lot of fun. Uh, they did give you a an armor boost, basically a light level boost, so that you will very, very quickly get up to level to start doing that stuff, which is cool. So it's a it's a good expansion. I feel like it's probably the most content they've given us since, like, the new expansion. Uh, and they added, like, you know, some guns from Destiny 1. Uh, I forget the name of this one that I'm literally looking at. I think it's called the Thorn. It's, like, this legendary hand cannon. So pretty pretty good expansion. That. But uh, yeah, and then there's there's talks of uh, the Drifter, the guy that runs Gambit, being the one that helped out the guys in the prison of, I don't think it was the prison of elders, maybe it was, whatever prison they were on on the reef. Uh, they're saying that potentially the Drifter is the guy that helped arrange Cade dying. Oh. So if that if that's true, a lot of people are going to be real salty about siding with the Drifter instead of Zavala. Because apparently you either side with uh, Zavala and, like, the Guardians, or you side with the Drifter, and you kind of get different rewards, and you only get to pick one. You don't, like, you legit can't pick the other side. So, it's uh, it's going to be interesting. Yeah. Yeah, pretty cool. It's a, it's a good update. There's a lot of content there. Um. I, I kind of want to play that game still, but I also don't. I don't know. I want to play it, but I don't want to play it enough to reinstall it. I, I would say it's not worth playing unless you have the annual pass, which gives you access to this content, and the Black Armory, which I also hadn't done, so I have a ton of stuff to do. But if you don't have all that stuff, uh, it's probably not worth playing still. Fair enough. And then uh, the other thing... I got into Path of Exile on Friday around like 3 o'clock. The new league dropped called Synthesis. And the idea is uh, this this ghost shows up and he's trying to remember all of these lost memories that he has. And it's the new league mechanic where you go to this thing called the Memory Nexus. And you basically talk to him in random areas of like every zone you go into. He'll be standing around here and there. You can go into a memory fragment and pick up a piece of a memory 
and then you get like this big map where you put down the pieces kind of like uh Catan style or like ticket to ride style where you're putting together these pieces of the map trying to connect all of them to make a really long trail and then you go into those pieces as basically as maps to play through so you kind of create your own system of maps to run through and each of those pieces have different perks and every map that's connected gets the perks and drawbacks of every single connected map. So as long as it's connected somewhere, it affects every map you go into. So you can end up with like a hundred modifiers on one map. It, it gets really, really nutty. Um, it's a huge complicated system though. And I won't go into super huge detail, but it's fun. It, it's... It's one of those things where if you don't watch a video and understand how it works, though, you have no hope of understanding how that thing works. It's just, it's complex beyond what it needs to be. Um, there's a lot of bugs as well. And overall, I think it works pretty good. But I, I do think that they probably could have explained it a little better. Um, even the biggest streamers after playing to like level 90 and not having any clue how it works, end up watching a Ziggy D video explaining how it works and how to get around all the bugs and all these details they didn't talk about when they put it out. And everybody's like, oh my God, that's how that works? That's amazing. And it's like one of the biggest, most lucrative things you can do in the game. But you would have no idea unless you actually went into that. Well... That sounds fun. I feel like a lot of developers now just don't specify what they're doing much anymore. Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, but yeah, so I, I decided to try out one of the new skills. I'm playing a skill called Bane. And what Bane does is it puts a curse on enemies that then damages them based on the number of curses other than Bane that you've put on them. And what it does is it ends up just making everything explode that you touch. Uh, so you you scale your area of effect, so you click once and it just curses the whole map that you can see, like the whole screen. Uh, so it's, it's a lot of fun. But it's really, really complicated how it works, and I'm not going to attempt to explain it because I don't 100% understand it. I mostly understand it. Uh, but the long and short of it is they added a ton of new skills that are all pretty good. There's one that's not great, but it's usable. And the rest are pretty amazing. And their goal was to bring back self-casting. Everyone seemed to be using totems and other skills to trigger other skills. Rather than just like casting a fireball, they would use some other mechanism to cast the fireball for them. So what they did was try to incentivize people casting their own skills instead of just throwing down a totem and running around until everything dies. So it's a little bit more risky, but also, you know, a little bit more powerful. So it's been it's been fun. It's a very different league. Uh, I've been watching a lot of the Race to 100, where as soon as a league starts, there's probably about 10, 15 people, usually that are at the top of that leaderboard trying to race to get to be the first player to level 100. It takes typically four to six days. It's looking like about five or six days this league. And, uh, yeah, it, it's a good race. There's, there hasn't been a ton of deaths. There's been a few. Um, and these guys are racing on solo self-found hardcore and just regular hardcore. 
And the difference is solo self-found, there's no trading with other players. You can't get help or sell items or get currency from others. And then hardcore is just if you die, your character's gone and all the gear it had. But you can trade with other players. So I don't do that because I don't trust my internet enough. Uh, It's just not reliable. So it's unfortunate. And I did solo self-found last league, but I'm doing trade league this time around because I think the crafting is really interesting. Fair enough. Yeah. So it's, it's been a good league start. Um, one of the guys I watch pretty frequently just had laser LASIK eye surgery. Um, got rid of his glasses and he's also been really sick, like fever sick. So it's been interesting watching him try to stream like 20 plus hours and then there's other streamers out there uh, running like 30 to 40 hours with no sleep. So it is a very intense race. That's really getting into it. Yeah. And one of these guys, uh, Zizarin, is actually the uh, streamer that recently just got the world record for most hours streamed in a 30-day period. I believe he streamed something like 600 hours. So it was an average of like 16 hours or 22 hours a day or some bullshit like that. Like way too many hours a day. He was sleeping like four hours and then just streaming nonstop. Definitely in the realm of too many hours a day. But like he did it he did it the right way. He went to a doctor and said, Hey, I'm gonna do this thing and they said, Okay, well you're in perfect health and as long as it's a you know, not all the time thing, it's perfectly healthy for you, you're fine. Obviously it's not great for you, but you'll be okay. And he had a lot of like help. He had people come over and cook for him and just kind of take care of all the stuff that you would normally do in the hours you weren't streaming. Um so he didn't have to worry about food and keeping his house clean and whatnot. So it's it's been interesting to watch. Uh, also, uh, Zizarin along with Havoc and one other guy, I can't remember who, got picked up by like a big esports team as the Path of Exile team, uh, mostly just to give exposure to their their team, I think. And then basically what they do is they pay them to be a part of this team and promote the team. And what they do is pay these guys so that they make a little more money, which they should when they're doing things like streaming 20 plus hours a day. Yeah. Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's it's real fun to watch. It's definitely the highlight of each quarter because there's basically a new Path of Exile League with new mechanics, new skills, new, you know, like loot, all kinds of different changes um, every three or four months. So it's one of those really cool things where it's like every three, every three or four months, there's like one week of like this really intense thing that's always on that you can always watch. And it's usually very entertaining. So it, it's a good time. But uh, yeah, the, the other funny thing is uh, they, they release the patch notes like one or two days before the league comes out with all the changes and new skills and details. And they're typically very long. This time, they there were literally hundreds of changes. And I think I spent six hours going over the patch notes. And I'm, you know, sitting there watching this other streamer uh, talk about them and go over the notes in detail. And I'm sitting there, like, taking notes and, like, reading this thing. And my wife walks in and she's like, 
are you like studying for a class that I didn't know about? Because they're talking about like percentages and you know all of the minor details that make a big difference in the game and like how you know the scaling goes from 10% to 25% and how that's huge and very nerdy extremely geeky stuff that even like you know people that play video games it's a little bit beyond the normal for them so it it was kind of funny to me i was like no it's it's a video game they're like oh why (laughs) uh but yeah it's if you're watching the stream you can see the skill tree for this game alone is insane and they move around skills on the skill tree and they change how some of them work and it it makes it makes things very interesting. Every time I play Path of Exile, it's a very different experience, which is something I like about it. Yeah, I I had some fun with that game, but overall, that I guess that style of game is not really. It, it is. My it's thing, a game that, unless you enjoy spending hundreds of hours paying attention to tiny stat changes and grinding hours and hours for one piece of loot maybe or crafting it like if you don't want an extreme grind path of exile is just probably not for you yeah and like i got to thinking about it i i don't play very many video games anymore and i don't really buy video games hardly ever um i have close to a thousand hours in path of exile and that's not very many most people that play this game really hardcore have you know, 10,000 hours in the game, basically. Um, But I I basically play, like, Path of Exile, Overwatch, Destiny, and uh, Anthem now, for right now. And that's pretty much it. I have been, aside from my Elder Scrolls games, Divinity, and the Fighters, because I like to pop into a fighter every now and then, um, I've been trying to get back into some of my space games. Uh, and I'm really hoping we see more about Starfield soon, because I'm so anxious to see what they're going to do with that game. Yeah, uh, they they said that's probably going to be a few years before we hear anything more about it at last E3. Well, I, I'm i assuming we're going to hear something about it this year. I'm pretty I'm sure they ass- said we wouldn't. I think they said the 2019-2020, somewhere between there. Okay, I might um, misremember. But I don't know. I mean, they say long time, but that's open to interpretation. What a long time is. Yeah. Um, But somebody at the party I was at last night was talking to me about Star Citizen. And I loved it because he was like, what's what's your take on that game? And I was like, you mean the game people are dumping a ton of money in that might never get made? (laughs) <laughs> well, apparently, like, it is being made, and it's actually getting fairly close to release. Um, or at least, like, some sort of, like, beta access. Where it'll be, like, a persistent thing that people can actually, like, get in and have their characters stick around. But that game does seem like we're just going to take all the money and develop all the new tech. Well, on top of that, I, I started playing Elite Dangerous again. And they're adding, they're slowly adding more and more, like, gameplay stuff to that game. And they said, I think, I don't know if it's going to be this year or next year, I think it's next year, they're going to dump, like, massive, like, huge expansions into the game. And they haven't told anybody what that is yet, and I was joking around, I'm like, 
Elite Dangerous is going to be Star Citizen before Star Citizen can even release. Right. Which that game is really fun, but the only complaint I have about that, and it's the same complaint about how every every space shooter, I can't stand dogfighting in space. It, it's always very disorienting to me. Yeah, and it, I feel like it's always easy for the computer to make all of these weird maneuvers, just like flip around and shoot back at me. But me trying to like follow or shoot another target is always a pain in the ass, no matter what game I'm playing. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I I want. I always like want to enjoy space games, and I think I've probably tried to play Eve Online probably six or eight times at this point. I've even had like a high level player with a huge backing, like one of a big part of one of the large corporations, try to help me and like get me started and teach me. And I kind of got it, and I just fall off that game super fast, like within a week usually. Uh, it's kind of like Warframe, where you have to wait for everything to complete, and there are big gaps in the action, like much bigger than Warframe, and like the activity itself is not very satisfying. It's kind of like, it's kind of like all the studying for Path of Exile, with the crafting of Warframe, and then none of the action from any of the games. So it just. It it never really stuck with me. I, I need that fun gameplay loop aside from the hardcore crafting part of things. Well, I think that's one of the things that I love about Elite Dangerous is because all of that game is pretty exciting to me. Um, I mean, the stuff that I'm bad at, I'm bad at, but it's still exciting. And just the general maneuvering, flying around, just trying to get some jobs done, like, it's involved enough to not be overly complicated but it's not super simple and handholdy like No Man's Sky is. Like I remember when I first started playing Elite, trying to land was a challenge. Uh, now I can land with no problem, and it's still kind of fun to do every time. Uh, I mean, you can eventually just install mods onto your ship so that you can just initiate auto landing, and that's no fun. But yeah, you know, what... I, I don't know what to think about Star Citizen, like. It definitely has the potential to be the new World of Warcraft with, like, the most gameplay and the most well-created systems and everything. The problem is, like, they're just taking way too long to build it. If they had built this whole thing over the last ten years and never said a word about it up until, like, a month before it came out and then showed everybody all these videos and actually had the gameplay to back it up. I I really think it probably would have been like the biggest hit in the world right now. But the way they've done it where they've just like constantly taken more and more money and they've just built all these things that don't connect and work together. It's just kind of become this joke and I don't think aside from being the best game on the planet and the most fun to play, I don't think it can actually be successful. At this point, it's gone too long. I don't know. I, I'm interested to see what happens with it because a lot of people know about it. People still talk about it. Um, they've yeah, kept no, the hype up for a, the hype has been there for a really long time. Which I is feel impressive. like half of the hype has just been like over how much people have spent on it, though. Like I hear very little detail about the actual gameplay 
other than we put in shooting, like, get out of your ship and shoot, and it was terrible, so we took it out. And, like, the combat seems okay, but not great. Like, I've never heard anything really incredible about it other than it looks pretty good. But honestly, it looks not as good as Warframe to me. I mean, for me, it looks like one of those things where this is highly unorthodox, and I don't know how you expect this to work. But on the other hand, if it does really work, and it has a lot of the things, you know, it could really, I think, change the way the industry works at the same time. Like, I think it'll either be a massive success or a complete failure everyone forgets about immediately. Yeah, I mean, I I think it's going to be one of those things that comes out and a lot of people check it out and spend the 50 bucks to try it out because it's 45 bucks for the starter pack to play the game. So I think that's what most people will do when they try it. Um, And I think people are going to fall off it pretty quick because from what I've seen, it's kind of... They've spent so long in development that we're ending up with a game that feels and looks like a game from like four years ago and we're not going to get it for another two or three years. So we're going to be getting like a five to seven year old feeling game that costs way too much money. And I, I have this feeling it's going to have this, it's going to have a really just dedicated community of the people that dumped millions into it. And then you're going to have no new players coming in and they're going to just subsist off of, you know, whatever they have left, basically. Um, I, I'm, I hope it works out. I hope I'm wrong, and it's like this incredible World of Warcraft-esque, you know, monumental game that changes things. But I just don't think that's what we're getting. I, think I don't know, I haven't a, seen... I think we're going to get a mediocre space sim. I, I haven't seen much in the way of, uh, like, gameplay footage or anything. But... I you know there's a pretty open field for it to do well considering that space simulators in general pretty much have always sucked always like some have been better or more interesting than others I loved Freelancer when it came out but still as a space sim it was underwhelming even when I first got it yeah, and apparently if you buy a starter pack now, you can get in and play the alpha. Like, it's a playable space game. But I guess it's a pretty basic game. Like, there's not a lot to do. There's not a lot of missions. And it doesn't work incredibly well from what I've heard. Um, And it is going to be a cash cow. So your ships, when you buy them for, like, 50 bucks, they come with, like, three-month insurance. And then if your ship gets destroyed after three months, it's gone forever. Okay. If that's true, I'm already not. Yeah, I, I'm not super interested in that type of game. I don't know. I just have... I, I really want a game that is based a lot more on like space exploration than combat i want star trek i want a star trek mmo that isn't garbage that's what i want i i want something that has a gameplay loop like i don't want the warframe gameplay loop but i want something like where i can move around the planets and explore quickly and i can just jump into my jetpack mode and fly around quickly and then i want to be able to jump back into my ship and then pick another planet and land on it 
and actually do things that matter. Because I feel like at this point, Warframe is closer to being what Star Citizen and uh, what's the other game that had the horrible launch? The exploration game? No Man's Sky? Yeah. I feel like it's a better one of those than those games are. Because you can go down onto the planet and just walk around and explore and collect wildlife. And then actually go back to your ship and build things out of them that matter to the gameplay. Yeah, that would be nice. Uh, The other thing I really want is... Like, I like the whole Star Trek idea of getting a ship and a crew. Or even, like, Firefly style. But... You have, I mean, you have kind of that thing with bases and whatnot in No Man's Sky, but the characters are all aliens, and they're not... They're just unlikable. I don't know. I don't care about them. I, I never understood why a game like Anthem isn't more of a exploration-style game where you get into one of the big uh, Strider-Walker things, and that's like your home base where you can customize it. Kind of like, imagine the Warframe... Uh, lander ship that you're in yeah where you can customize it and then you can invite other people to come in so it's like slightly bigger than the warframe ship is and your friends can come and get in and you can like send the walker over to a mission somewhere and then go back to it when you're done sort of thing um i think that would be cool rather than having just this city hub where you go back to and launch your missions out of really slowly I'm kind of done with mission hubs, to be honest. I'm not a fan. Especially in these high-tech games, because it's like, they're like in the year, you know, 3050, where you have to constantly run back and tell people what you did, even though you've been talking to them all mission on a communicator. I already communicate with most people via my phone. Do I really have to go back to a mission hub? Yeah, I. so I recently filled out a questionnaire for Dauntless, And kind of like my main suggestion to them was, like, drop the mission hub. Like, the town is neat to look at once, and Destiny is the same way. It's cool to walk around at once, and then all I want is a mission, like a list of missions to just pick from, and a lobby for my friends. And if anything, like, give me a a hub where we can walk around and see each other's armor, and a list of missions on a mission board or something. Don't make me run around this gigantic thing that does literally nothing for me other than waste my time. Yeah, I agree. Well, and a lot of those games like Destiny have stuff like emotes in them now, which are really only there. I I really don't see anyone doing them or have much use for them outside of my friend is taking too long to equip their items, so we're just going to stand around and emote. Pretty much. But that is that is the crux of it. Well, yeah, I don't uh, I don't particularly have much else. Yeah, no, I I've spent most of my week just kind of waiting to play Path of Exile and literally studying to play Path of Exile when it came out, and it's it's been rewarding. Like I, I feel like I've accomplished a lot, and my build really worked out. I, I followed a streamer's build as he was using it, and that's been pretty interesting. Uh, but I've made adjustments to my build that he didn't do because I wanted more of this and less of this and that sort of thing. So I feel like I, after 800 hours, I'm finally getting the hang of the game. Jesus. <laughs> Which is just, it's absolutely ridiculous to say that. 
you are nerdier about that game than most people are with like D and don't understand. Well, so the thing for me is I can spend all the time studying and like, you know, figuring out all these complicated interactions. Um, and it doesn't feel like, it doesn't feel like I'm wasting my time because when I get in the game, it makes my actual experience in the game that much better. And I feel like I'm really, really benefiting from the time spent. And I have this knowledge that builds on to the next thing that I do. So I feel like I'm actually learning useful things, even if it is for something that's not useful in real life. Like, you know, I, I'm getting legitimate enjoyment and it's paying dividends that I feel. Whereas, you know, if I spend hundreds of hours watching Overwatch videos, that's probably never going to really benefit me because that's a pure performance base game where you either play well or you don't and you rely on your team a lot and there's a lot of variables whereas path of exile if you play it properly and you know what you're doing generally it's going to work out as long as you're willing to put in you know the amount of time that you need to and adjust yourself to make the most of your time in the game it, it rewards good decision making and time spent whereas i feel like a game like overwatch doesn't necessarily reward your time spent with anything it, it rewards your time spent with more time to spend yeah like we grind in overwatch because we have fun playing the game but that's kind of all you get out of it right whereas yep. like path of exile i feel like i actually get better and i learn more and I don't know. It it just it has a more rewarding gameplay loop to me than Overwatch does. But a lot of the time I have more fun minute to minute playing Overwatch. But that's also like a that that's a whole a whole nother discussion, I guess. Yeah. So, but yeah, that's that's pretty much it I think this week. It's it's a pretty quick show. Um we definitely want to play some games tonight, so yeah, um, unless you had anything else, sir. Uh, no, that's uh, that's about it for me. Alrighty, um, as always, feel free to join us on Discord. We're always looking for more Overwatch players so that you can not feel rewarded. Uh, join us in the salt mines, and yeah, uh, we always we always like it when you guys leave us five star reviews on iTunes and anywhere else that podcasts are found. You can find us at boxpressradio.com and you can find us on Twitter at boxpressradio and we're on Facebook too, of course. And please message us on any of those. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, we will respond with dick pics and the like. But uh, other than that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you guys, we'll have a good week and we will talk to you next week.